Thank you for tuning in to episode 19 of Adversity University, and welcome to class. Hey everyone, this is Sean. Today's guest was an absolute treat for Garrett and myself. He is an expert in leadership. He has been training leaders at the highest level for a really long time now, multiple decades, and he just has a ton of great advice. And we are really planning on having him on for a part two because Garrett and I are, you know, we're really amped up right now after talking to this guy. He has a very good energy. And Garrett, what did you think about JB? JB was unbelievable. Um, I think me and Sean love talking to people uh, that are in the military because they're great leaders. And I think me and Sean like to think of ourselves as pretty good leaders. And we're always trying to learn and be better, not only for hockey, but life outside of hockey. We want to be able to influence people the way that JB has influenced people. Obviously, we're not going into the military, but to be able to lead teams or um, you know, groups of people or even younger generations and kind of show them the road through these experiences, I think it's wonderful. And it's awesome for us because we learn new, th- new things through JB's experience or you know, any of our other guests' experiences. So we're gaining a lot of valuable life lessons by just hearing their story. JB was unbelievable. As Sean said, I think we could have talked to that guy for at least three hours. We're hopeful that we'll have him on again. This is a very informative episode, uh, and I'm sure that you guys are going to really love this one. Yeah, obviously, Garrett talks about the military people just having a different energy and experience. When we talk to Stu Smith, the Navy SEAL, similar thing where you just learn a lot from him and you really respect what he did. So you really want to just you know listen to him even more and take in what he has to say even more. JB just really goes into a lot of great things that he's done and a lot of great things that you can do to improve your leadership and learn from the people around you. We want to surround ourselves with people who are going to make us better. And so I really hope that, you know, everyone listening to this can really benefit from the experience because even though you're not with him, hearing what he has to say, I consider that surrounding yourself with people that are going to make you better. I hope that that's the goal of the podcast. And I'm really looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say, uh, feedback feel free to let us know what you think of the episode at our Instagram or Twitter. Just search Adversity University. Let's kick it on over to JB Spizzo. The Colorado Rampage are excited to announce a player development partnership with Power Edge Pro Hockey. PEP's reactive countering training concept is the type of innovative skill development that will greatly impact our organization. Developing players to the next level is the Colorado Rampage's number one priority and incorporating PEP hockey into our training will help us get there. Visit their website at corampage.com. That's C-O-R-A-M-P-A-G-E.com. Be better today than you were yesterday and join the herd. Today's guest has over 30 years of experience in transforming individuals into leaders. He is a veteran of the United States Army with 26 years of service, including 10 years in special operations with the Elite 75th Ranger Regiment, leading the country's most talented soldiers into combat. He retired at the prominent rank of Sergeant Major, the highest and most respected non-commissioned officer position in the military. He has executed team building and leadership training for several NFL and NHL clubs and was the first in the NHL to hold the position of Executive Director of Leadership and Cultural Development. Thank you for joining Adversity University, J.B. Spizo. Good morning, gentlemen. Sean Garrett, I am honored to be here. Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Where are you from and what was your childhood like? 
So I'm from um, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, born and raised there, middle-class family, Pittsburgh, um, you know, great family, grew up uh, solid mom and dad, two older sisters, uh, you know, grew up a, uh, you know, um, you know, played, played sports in high school and then decided that uh, I was going to pay for my own college and that's how I got in the military, so. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you have family members who served or why did you decide to attend the Ranger indoctrination program? Well, my father was a World War II veteran, but my mo mother and father never really pushed me towards the military. And um, I knew in high school that I, I wanted to go to college. You know, my, uh, I tell the story a lot. Like um, I, I thought I wanted to be a, I inspired to be a um, high school history teacher, coach hockey, baseball. That was kind of my thought, but I wasn't quite ready to go to college. Um, also, you know, college is an expense, you know, the military is great about saying, Hey, come serve for us. We'll, um, you know, we'll pay for your college. So it felt like a good way for me to do that. Um, but then, you know, as I was getting ready to go and with help of the recruiter and, you know, some of my, uh, friends and family, I said, well, if I'm going to do this, I might as well, I might as well, uh, try out for the, you know, the toughest outfit out there. Um, and again, this is days before the internet. So you didn't have all these pre-selection schools that are going on now. Uh, my friend Jason Sweet, um, he's a former uh, Air Force PJ. He runs this course called SOCOM Athlete. So if you're actually thinking about going into Special Operations Command, uh, you know he he puts you through some you know some type of indoctrination course, right? So there I was. I signed up. Went to um, you know Fort Benning, Georgia. That was my first time ever in the state of Georgia. I thought I was on Mars, and uh, you know running around. <laughs> And uh, infantry school, airborne school, and then you show up at Ranger Indoctrination Program. And uh, that was my real um, basic training, advanced training, airborne school is all tough. But this was my first time that I was like, wow, this is, um, this is where the rubber meets the road. And I better, uh, I better toughen up here and see if I can make this. Did you play sports competitively before? Because I feel like, you know, you just said it great. Back then, there was no real information on what you were really getting yourself into. And to jump into something like that without having some team environment or have gone through some adversity to mentally prepare yourself for that. Like, what did you do growing up? Because you obviously were probably pretty mentally strong before going through that. Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, I don't know if I was mentally strong. Yeah. I played sports in high school all growing up and through high school. So I played sports competitively. Um, so I knew the team environment. I enjoyed being part of a team. And I think that's where I really excelled in the military because I enjoyed be a, being a part of a team because uh, it's teamwork. Because the military doesn't let you do anything by yourself. Like you go to, you know, you go to the chow hall, you go together, <laughs> right? Like, um, you know, you'll, you'll never see a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, coast guardsman eating by themselves, right? If somebody's by themselves, somebody's going to sit by them. So it's a very much a, a, a team environment. But, um, you know, you asked that Garrett, do I, I don't think I was mentally strong. I don't, I don't know if I understood what, what mental toughness was. You know, I, I came from a, um, you know, a, an extremely, um, you know, close family, you know, we took care of each other. We had dinner every night. So I, I don't think I really had to, you know, had to meet this tough opposition. You know, maybe it was a little bit of just being naive too. And, um, you know, there you are, now you're in the military and you're in this ranger indoctrination course. And, you know, there's a, you know, 150 guys are about and, you know, bigger, stronger, faster, meaner. I was like, what am I in for here? And, uh, you know, there were days, I think I told you 
our notes. There were days that I was, um, you know, I'd sit on my bunk and be like, I, I, this is just so overwhelming. And that's what I want people to understand when, when times get overwhelming, like you gotta, you gotta shorten your window. Right. And I, and I always say it and people laugh, but I was like, I'm just trying to make it to lunch. <laughs> okay. Now I'm just trying to make it to dinner. You know, I wasn't trying to make the, you know, 35 or 38 day course, whatever it was back then. You know, I'm just trying to make this short window. I'm trying to pass this next assessment, right? We have a, a weapons assessment. I'm trying to pass it. I'm trying to pass a five-mile run. I'm trying to pass the 12-mile road march. I'm trying to pass the rope climb, whatever the cases are. And I think sometimes that, you know, and, and that's how you learn to build, you know, that mental toughness, everything else. I mean, look what's going on today with this, this, this pandemic, right? Um, for people probably, you know, younger than you two, this is their 9-11, right? And, their, you know, the world, you know, their world has changed. And, uh, you know, I was reading an article yesterday. It said, you know, we might be wearing these masks for two more years. Like, can you imagine that? Like, yeah. no, you can't. <laughs> so, so this is all a part of, you know, learning how to deal with the battle. I think that's such great advice because one of my favorite quotes is, what's the only way to climb a mountain? one step at a time, right? You talk about breaking these, you know, really daunting tasks into smaller pieces. And instead of saying, I'm going to make it through in the pandemic sense, I'm going to make it through this year pandemic, you say, all right, how can I make it through today? How can I get better today? You know, and then once you do make it through something really long, the next time you have to overcome something, you go, okay, well, I overcame this year long pandemic, I can do this, you know, week long course, that seems really tough. Well, I, I tell people, you know, when I do my seminars and I'm doing them on Zoom or if I, you know, do a few in person, I, I say, what have you learned about yourself during this pandemic? You've learned something about yourself. Uh, somebody said, I learned to cook lasagna. I'm like, great. <laughs> right. Uh, I use the, you know, I say, you know, when this pandemic first happened, I work out almost every day and, um, you know, the gyms are shut down. Well, how do you stay in shape? Well, I stayed in shape with, you know, a, a set of a set of dumbbells and a kettlebell, and it was amazing how like you can do so much. You can go online and find videos. You know, gyms are doing live feeds, whatever it is. So sometimes we look at the big picture and we go, "Oh my gosh, I I I, I wanted to get back there." Well, keep climbing until it does get back there. I think you just touched on a good point too, and I don't want to go off too big on a tangent on this topic, but when you take it a day at a time or a task at a time too, it gets rid of the stress and anxiety that you have built up because once you complete that one task that you've mainly focused on and you've mastered it and it's over with, you're, you have a sense of a, a feeling of accomplishment, a sense of relief instead of like, okay, I've only done part of this task. Now I have another one to do. And then you're so stressed out or you, your body's filled with anxiety you know, you get that relief and you're like, okay, like I'm good now. I'm calm. I can, you know, refocus my energy on the next task. I, I love that saying. And I know that people say it all the time, like Sean said, a step at a time, but it's really hard to do that. I think we get caught up and wrapped up in the end result instead of focusing on the process. Well, I think a, a big part of it is, is that, you know, we put these arbitrary timelines on people, on ourselves, right? For example, graduate high school at 18, go to college for four years, 21 to have a job, 25 get married. Oh, you guys still there? Yeah, we're there. You there? Yep. All right. Sorry. 
Mine, mine cut out for a second. Okay, good. Uh, but I was just saying that we put these um, arbitrary timelines on on tasks, right? You know, two years to do this, four years to do this, six years to do this, whatever the case may be. And everybody has to find their own path to success. And if it takes you a little longer or a little less, it's okay. And I think sometimes when, you, you, you know, if you're somebody's trying to lose weight, right? And they have, let's just say, 50 pounds to lose. And, you know, maybe the first 20 pounds comes off quick and all of a sudden they're like, wow, that's great. But then the next 30 pounds are struggling a little bit because it takes a little more time. But, you know, that's why, uh, you know, that's why a lot of, you know, dietitians and fitness experts, they tell people struggling with weight, they're like, well, don't weigh yourself, measure yourself, right? So <laughs> you could see, you know, see that you're actually, um, you know, losing size because things take time and we can't, um, you know, if you go to college and you did it in four years and it takes me five years, okay, or six years or 10 years or whatever. Like the, the point of fact is you have to just keep moving that ball forward. A lot of us agree where the starting line is. A lot of us agree where the finish line is. But imagine, you know, we're all lined up there and the starter's got his gun and the starter blows the, you know, shoots the starter gun off. And we run in different directions, right? It doesn't mean that we don't have the same goal, but we all might take a different route to get there. Yeah, that's a really good point. And kind of something that I've been struggling with right now um, to play college hockey, you usually have to go off and play junior hockey first. So I'm already a little bit older. And now I want to play some professional hockey, which is just going to make me a little bit older. So now when I start thinking about my post sports goals, it's like if I want to go back to school and maybe get a master's or go to medical school, dental school, whatever it is, it already seems like I'm getting so far behind because you talk about these arbitrary points like, oh, you should be done with college at 22. You should be done with your master's at 24. So I think that's really good advice too, that everyone has a different path. And it's something that is hard because you don't see yourself as a pioneer always. You want to be like everyone else who has been successful. But like you said, that journey is different for everyone. And we just have to believe in ourselves and our process. And, and what you're, uh, you're not giving yourself credit for, Sean, like if you do something a little bit later, what have you gathered along the path? You've gathered experience, right? I mean, like, uh, you know, it, it, it took me 20 years to complete my college. And I was in some classes with some 19 year olds, right? <laughs> Who were like goofing off and I come prepared everything else. And I'm there to work. Well, it's that I had that another 15 years of experience that that young man and woman didn't have. Right. And so, so as you're taking this journey, you're gathering experiences, right? You're gathering, um, you know, educational experiences, maturity experiences, life experiences. That's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, you're putting that into your, into your, you know, your kit bag to make yourself more successful. You're exactly right. And, you, you know, we say like, oh, a guy's got to be here and then he's got to be here. And if he's not here by then, sure, there are, there are young men that are going to play in the NHL at 18 years old. Okay. They, they are. But majority aren't. Right. So the majority have to take a path to get there. So we touched on what you mentally did to survive. Uh, the RIP program is what I think you touched on earlier. What did you do to physically survive this? What did you do to prepare before? Um, and how did you physically, physically get through it while, while going through that process? Well, 
I think I was very fortunate because when I was in, you know, uh, what they call uh, infantry school, which is basic training and advanced infantry training uh, together, 13 weeks, you know, our drill instructors, Drill Sergeant Clark, I talk about in my book, Warrior Leadership, Steps to Success for Leaders on the Ground. I talk about him. Like, he knew where we were going and what we were doing, some of us. And so he would push me a little bit harder every single night. Like, um, before you go to bed, knock out another 100 push-ups and 100 sit-ups, do some more pull-ups. And, and he was preparing me for these things that I didn't, even, I didn't even realize. And so then when we went to Ranger Indoctrination Program, it's now called uh, RASP, Ranger Assessment Selection Process. Um, when, we, when I did this, I, was, I had a good foundation of fitness. But what I didn't realize is everything that was gonna be you know, put on me, all the stress, uh, both physically, um, mentally, uh, sleep deprivation, some food deprivation, a little bit of that, not, not a ton, but still, you know, you're, um, you know, when you're, when you're only getting, you know, four, six hours of sleep a night, it, that catches up on you, especially when you have so many physical activities and, you know, you're trying to pass every gate, you know, so it's not just a physical, like, okay, run this, jump this, do this, you know, you have to pass technical tasks, land navigation, you know, weapons training, that sort of thing. You have to pass those physical tasks as well, uh, those technical tasks as well to, to get there. So it's just, a, it's just a, it's a, it's a lot of strain, but you realize like what you can handle, right? You realize your body is designed for adversity. It really is. I think that you did realize that your body was designed for that. But at the same time, like you talked about in our notes earlier, you really had a, a fight mindset. There was no flight in you. I, your quote in the note was, they're going to have to throw me out, but I'm not quitting. I think that you really understand that you can push yourself beyond what you even think is possible. Well, I, you know, outstanding question. And I, you know, I remember even though it was, you know, 30 odd years ago, I remember like laying in my bunk and the guy next to me, you know, his rack was empty, which means he quit. And, you know, I hadn't been talking to this guy for like two and a half weeks and now he's gone and I had to make a decision. Right. And you saw like that, that's when it visualization really comes. So imagine, you know, you have, you know, 60 guys, you know, in, in, in bunks, you know, in these world war two barracks. And as the weeks go, days and weeks go on, you know, it's like less and less, there's more bunks open, right? Like, Guys are like, okay, I'm moving to the top bunk. Like, you know, people are trying to find like, you know, better, better places to sleep. Oh, there's a heating vent there. So I'm going to sleep there or whatever. And that's when I really noticed. I'm like, wow, this is for real. And I had to make that decision. And anybody that says that, you know, those negative thoughts don't come across them, it, they're lying, right? Because they do. But then you have, to, you have to make a decision. It's called strength and resolve, right? Resolve is come to a definite decision about something. All right, I'm not going to quit. They're going to have to throw me out. And now put your strength to it, right? Now, that also means that when I was doing every task, I was trying to do it great. I wasn't trying to do it half-assed, right? I was trying to do that task excellent. So I gave them, I gave them no option, right? And I think when you continue to do that, then, you know, it, it, it shows the cadre you know, you get a little favor because they're like, this kid's working hard, right? He wants it. It's no different than a coach on a team, right? They, you know, 
they like a player who's maybe less skilled because he's gritty, right? He's got that, he's got that little hard work. He's the first one in the gym, first one in class, the whole thing. And so those are things that you want to continue uh, to build amongst yourself. Use your skill set to your advantage. There was a quote that I saw the other day and you guys briefly touched on it, but it said, your mind will give up a hundred times before your body does. And there was a video of this guy running a marathon or doing some army training and he kept falling down, but he kept getting back up and his legs were wobbly. And, you know, at that point, people probably would have quit five miles before this guy did. And he just mentally fought through it and kept telling himself that he's fine and he's going to get through it. So I think it's crazy how powerful our mind is. And you talk about how you were in great physical shape, but, you know, you probably weren't in the best shape of your life or maybe you were, you could have been in better yeah. shape, but what got you through was that mental toughness that you carried. Um, and it's crazy that, you know, you can tell yourself to do certain things that you probably never would have imagined that you could do. That's a, that's a excellent point, Garrett. Like I, I feel like I was fit, but I'm, you know, 10 years later, I was five times as fit, right? Because I learned the process of the body management there. I was just young and couldn't be broken right? Like you weren't going to break my body. Uh, a lot of you, you've watched these like ultra marathons or these Ironmans and, and you, you can, you can, you know, YouTube that and check it out. And you, you watch these guys or gals, they come across the finish line, right? And as soon as they come across the finish line, they, the body breaks down and they're like a rag doll. They were done. Their body was done five miles before that, but their mind just said, I'm not stopping. Right. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Then you see them as soon as they come across the finish line, the mind's like finished and they ragdoll. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, my, the mind is very powerful. You brought up a good point earlier, too, about how you may not always be the most skilled person, but they look for people that are gritty and tough. And it's something that a lot of people don't see outside of the sports world, but you definitely see it in because, you know, if there's 12 forwards, your top six are guys who are going to score. But your bottom six are guys who are just going to go work hard. They're going to wear down the other team. They're going to do whatever it takes to win. And honestly, both jobs are just as important. So just because you're not the best at something, if you work the hardest at it, there will always be a place for you. You, you, you know, I mean, that's exactly it. I, I, you know, um, and I'm not going to speak for Sidney Crosby. You know, he's a friend of mine. He's a great player. But he'll probably tell you, like, and he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. We all know that. But he might even say to you, you know, I might not be the most skilled player on my team, right? It, it, it could be Malkin. It could be. But no one works harder than Sid, right? Malkin works hard too. I'm not, you know, discounting that. But think about that. Like, so when you have talent and you have work ethic and you put it together, that is the ultimate, comp you know, that's the ultimate combination. And that's exactly what you want. You want to have, you, you want, you want to have that. You want to have, you know, talent you want to have grit i mean look at tom brady look at uh, you know we look at tom brady he's come out of college yeah pretty good quarterback don't weren't really sure um but they knew there was something in him to build and um i don't know a lot of people don't even realize with him you know when he uh his his first year with the patriots um he was the fourth quarterback kept wow so so uh, and nfl teams never do that they never keep four quarterbacks on the on the opening roster they kept four quarterbacks, right? Because Belichick knew that there was something about him and he put that whole package together. And now, you know, 20 years later, you can, you know, you can kind of look at it. Yeah. 
I want to go back to you talk about putting talent and hard work together. You achieved sergeant major, which is very impressive. What was the process like of ranking up in the military and how do they determine when you're eligible and qualified for the next rank? Great question, uh, Sean. Well, the military has like, um, you know, minimum gates you must make, like, you know, two years in the military uh, before you could be a sergeant, four years before you staff sergeant, that sort of thing. And then you go to these, uh, so from, from E1 to E6, you go to actually go to a board. So you go and you sit in the board, your sergeant major's there, there's first sergeants, you know, it's very intimidating. And they ask you questions like, you know, what are the ranger principles of patrolling? And you have to answer it, right? <laughs> Things like that. It's, it's, you know, and when I sat on those boards, I loved it too, because it was great, but you can get to learn about people. And so those are done at the unit level. So you could be promoted, but you still must meet minimum gates that the army says. I was fortunate to, to, I made my, I made E5 in the minimum amount of time possible, E6 and minimum time possible, and then E7, Sergeant First Class. So when you go to Sergeant First Class, E7, E8, E9, that's done at the department and the army level. So your packet goes to the department and the army. They sit once a year, all these sergeant majors, your packet comes up. They look at it for about a minute. They talk about you. Somebody, you know, ha uh, is in charge of your packet and says, all right, Spizo, this is what he's done. A, B, C, D, E. And then they vote on you basically, right? And it goes in there. So I was very, very fortunate to make, make rank uh, quickly. You know, I never really looked at it. I just tried to do a good job. Right. And I try to do a good job. And I fortunately I had leaders that said, this guy's doing a good job. He has potential. And sometimes I might even been promoted maybe before I was ready, but people saw potential in me. Right. It's just like giving, you know, giving a young coach a chance to coach at the highest level. Right. He might be ready, but he's got potential or she's got potential. Let's put him in there. So that was it. And I was fortunate enough to make Sergeant Major. Um, Again, you know, the highest and most respected non-commissioned officer rank in the military. And uh, I, I try to impart back on uh, individuals as people imparted on me. I try to be a good mentor. Uh, and I think that's all part of it. And, you know, when I look at, when I talk to coaches and I work with a lot of coaches and they're like, well, this guy should be this and this gal should be that. I'm like, well, let them be who they are as long as they fit within your system of your standards, right? Um, you know, we never want to take that personality away from somebody because that personality makes them great, helps them become successful. But we want that personality to fit within our chemistry, right? And our chemistry has to be healthy uh, and has to be encouraging. And I think that you're seeing that um, in the NHL, the NFL, you know, it's going that way where co coaches are a little bit more encouraging now instead of like, this is the way it's going to be. It's my way or the highway. I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing. Do what I say. Or you're, you know, you're going to the press box. So I, I think that, and this goes for leaders too, uh, in businesses. Like in leaders, you should understand who your people are and use them to your advantage to be successful. You talk about uh, imparting your wisdom on the future generations of sergeants or up and coming uh, peace on, or people in the military. Do you think that it was because of the people that it influenced you and were your mentors, or do you think there's a personality associated with these people that end up becoming leaders? Uh, wonderful question. Well, I, I think there's two things. One, you know, I had a great upbringing with my family. So my, um, my mom and dad, you know, imparted a lot of um, humility on me, right, and respect. 
So, uh, you know, I learned to respect people and grow up with respect. And then in the military, like my first leader, I talk about him in my book, you know, uh, Staff Sergeant Roberts. Um, he actually um, ended up being the Ranger Regimental Sergeant Major, which is the highest uh, non-commissioned officer position in the Ranger Regiment. Um, so, you know, he was very, um, uh, he wasn't a yeller or screamer, right? He was, um, he was a leader. Was he hard on us? Of course. But, you know, he imparted that. And he knew how to be with every single person in our squad and then in our platoon. So I think when you're, when you're developing people, um, I always try to take something good out of every leader. Even if you run across a leader that's not that great, right? You're gonna, and you're going to run across some like that. You just don't mesh with. But you should find some good points. Because sometimes people are trying to push you to be a little bit better, get you out of your comfort zone. And many times you need pushed out of your comfort zone. You, you, people say, well, I'll get out of my comfort zone, but you really don't, right? So you have to, you have to kind of put, somebody needs to push you out of the comfort zone, maybe just a little bit, right? Just like pushing the baby bird out of the nest, the whole thing. Um, and so I think that helped me. And then I also use the foundation of who I am. I'm a cheerleader. It works for me. So when I impart that on people, they see it as authentic. And I always often tell leaders, you know, find what leadership style works for you. There's a lot of them out there, right? You know, if you're more stoic, be more stoic, right? Like whatever the case may be, find what leadership style, you know, works for you. Bill Belichick's leadership style works for Bill Belichick, right? It might not work for somebody else. I love that you touched upon taking away something good, even from bad leaders. Cause I think that even if you take away the bad points, if you want to become a leader, you take away the bad points and you realize that's not something that I want to do when I'm in the leadership position. Mm -hmm. I think that's just as valuable as being with a great leader and being like, wow, look at how he brings the team together. Look how he, you know, he connects with each individual on a personal level. Mm -hmm. I think that's just as important. And I've had some bad coaches in my time. I think everybody has or bad leaders. And one thing that I take away from is that's not what I'm going to do because that's not, you know, how I felt was good or for the team or for an individual. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a great point that you brought up. Well, we all learn differently and, you know, we all, um, you know, we all learn from, um, you, you know, from this type of leadership. I remember I was uh, consulting for an NHL team and, you know, they just fired their coach and the coach was, you know, he was known as a player's coach and they brought in a kind of a hardcore coach after them. And I remember I was meeting with the team or we talking and one of the players said, said, you know, um, you know, I wish we had a player's coach. I'm like, well, you just got him fired. <laughs> and they were like, what? We, I'm like, if you'd have been playing better, he'd probably still be here. So I said, so do you expect the organization to bring in the same style of coach? And they're like, you're right. And then I said this to him, the sooner you get used to your coach, the better off you'll be. So think about that as a player or you're in a business, like you might not have a great boss. The sooner you get used to that boss, the better off you'll be. It doesn't mean you have to put up with, you know, hazing or, uh, anything inappropriate. I'm not talking about that, but the sooner you get used to, you know, what makes your boss tick, right. Then, or what makes your coach tick, then, you, you know, you'll be prepared. If your coach is going to ding you for showing up five minutes early then show up 10 minutes early, <laughs> right? Don't, don't give him any, don't give him any where to go to ding you on something. 
Yeah, there was an article that I read. Uh, it was about what Google looks for when they hire employees. And they talked about emulent leadership, which to them means knowing when to step up and knowing when to almost be a follower. That is still a type of leadership. So knowing when your leader is a little bit more dominant and knowing like everyone has to be here 10 minutes before, you can be a leader by telling everyone, hey, we need to fall in line here. I know he wants us there five minutes before, but let's all get there 10 minutes before. Mm-hmm. And those types of leadership really help the entire organization or company be successful. I, w- I was reading a thing on um, President Reagan, Ronald Reagan, when he was a president, and he um, did not like, uh, obviously, you know, working in the White House, like there's not five minutes in the day, right? They, they, they schedule the five minutes when the president can use the bathroom because everything is on top of each other, right? And so he did not like um, to be late for anything. So he did not like meetings to run over. So sometimes they'd be like, okay, this meeting is going to take 30 minutes when it really needs an hour. But they would put 30 and they would know it would run late. He was like, no, that's not how it's going to be. You know, if it needs an hour, put an hour. But at 60 minutes, I'm done. I'm going to the next thing. Because he never used to like to make people wait. And he always wanted to be a timely person, right? So he wanted that as the, he wanted that as the, guideline uh you know for his white house and for 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 the government so i think that's very very important right to to do like if that's going to be your standard then that's going to be your standard right and then make sure that you know you show up on time right (laughs) like you're running the meeting you're not late i think to sean's point too it's great to have multiple leaders within an organization you look at uh for college hockey teams or even professional right you have your head coach then your assistants, then you go down to the captains and all those people are leaders, but they all focus on a different aspect that's gonna push the team and excel the team in a positive direction. Where you talk about the White House, president, vice president, it goes down the board and each person has to focus on, you know, a different group of individuals and a results-based thing. So I think that's a great point that Sean touched upon is there's leaders within an organization. You don't have to be the head honcho in order to be the leader, you know, and there's different types of leading as well. Uh, that's exactly it. And the other thing is, is that like, you know, you don't have to wear a letter on your sweater to be a leader, right? Like you can be the third or fourth line guy sitting next to, sitting next to the young player and be like, Hey, you know, why are you late today? Why'd you come dressed like that? Are those the same clothes you wore last night? Like, what, what are you doing? Let's go. Right. That's leadership. I mean, I watched Yarmir Yager in the Florida Panthers locker room, you know, gracefully, and specifically guide young players. Like it was, it was absolutely amazing to watch, right? Just little things he would say to players, whether it was about their game or their stick or their life or something, you know, and, and, and th- so he was using, you know, his, you know, a hundred years of hockey knowledge cause he's been playing for a hundred years, right? Um, he was using that, you know, to assist players to get getting better. What are some things people can do to improve their leadership skills or prepare for a new role as a leader? Great question. Well, the first thing is you want to do is prepare for the role before you get the role, right? That's number one. People like wait till like they've been promoted or in a position or, you know, been selected captain or something like that. You need to prepare for that role prior as if you're getting that. Okay. It's number one. Number two, start doing yourself some educational training, right? read some books. You know, you can obviously pick up my book. There's, there's a ton of leadership books on there. Start reading books on how to be a thoughtful leader. Okay. That's where you want to be. You want to be a thoughtful leader. 
Um, the other thing you could do is expand your, your, you know, your empathy, um, your emotional quotient, right? We talk about IQ and we talk about EQ. IQ you're born with, right? Uh, whatever your, whatever IQ test you take when you're 13 is going to be the same at 23 or 33. Might change a couple points difference, but that's it. You get what you get. But EQ, emotional quotient, is how you understand people. That you can continue to build throughout your life. You're not born with it. So you learn it throughout your life, and that's how you can help yourself as a leader. So you want to be a thoughtful leader. You want to prepare your leadership before you get, before you get put in place. And own it, fix it, move on. I don't even think you realize that you said it, but holding yourself accountable, you can't hold others accountable if you're not willing to hold yourself accountable. And I think that's exactly what you touched upon. If you make a mistake or you do something wrong, you need to be the first one to be like, hey, guys, that's on me. I made the mistake. Because if you don't do that and you're just trying to fix everybody else, you're going to be a hypocrite in, in most cases. You know, many times as leaders, you know, own the mistake, even if it's not really your mistake, right? Um, so, so do it, like own the mistake. And then everybody underneath your charge is like, wow, that was really my fault. You know, my boss just kind of took it for me. Um, but it's all part of that building that, you know, relationships and understanding who people are. Um, the other thing you should have are standards, right? So when you have a standard, whatever the standard is, everybody shows up at 8 a.m., let's just say, okay, 8 a.m., okay? Obviously, you, the leader, you're going to be a few minutes ahead of time. Well, 8.01 is not 8 a.m., right? And you're like, oh, well, he's the top guy. He can be a little late. No. Wavering standards is no standards. So people say, okay, now what do I do? I say, okay, tomorrow, everybody shows up at now 7.45, right? So when you don't meet the standard, you increase the standard. What people like to do is they like to lower the standard, right? No, no, no. You increase the standard. You know, I remember, I remember at West Point, I had, you know, two cadets and just like couldn't get their room ready. So I had a room inspection. I came in, room felt inspection. I'm like, no problem. Now I'm going to come back in two hours, room inspection, and you're in your dress uniform. Come back in, two hours, room inspection, dress uniform, felt it again. I'm like, okay, now room inspection, dress uniform, and all your military gear laid out on your bed, right? So do you see what was happening? If they had just cleaned the room the first time, they wouldn't have wasted another six hours. So you don't, you don't lower the standard. If the standard is this, that's what it is. I think that's a really good point. Coaches always talk about how, you know, you have to raise the bar. You say, oh, you came in and you won these first few games. Now we have to raise the bar because everyone's coming for you. You have a target on your back now. You can't lower that standard just because you're winning and just because things are successful. And that's honestly one of the first times that I've heard raise the bar actually put out into like acts that you can see being done. So that makes a lot of sense. That's a really great point. I wanted to kind of talk about where you live now uh, near Las Vegas. What do you think about the hockey in Vegas and what's the atmosphere like at these games? Well, the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, obviously, you know, with their, um, uh, with, with, with their ownership and uh, you know, the team president there, Kerry Bullbolts and their whole organization, you know, they have, um, they have done a, an amazing job here. Uh, I've been around hockey a long time, you know, saw it, you know, seen it at the highest level, worked at the highest level, and they've done a wonderful job of, you know, bringing the community in. You know, we talked about before we started, I feel like they have built 
you know, Golden Knights fans first, hockey fans second, right? And uh, just done a wonderful job of that. You know, they bought their one youth hockey organization. They rebranded it all, you know, uh, you know, junior Golden Knights. They got everybody in the gear. Everybody is crazy about it. Um, they, they've done a great job. A, a lot of teams, what they try to do is they like to, they like to hold players back. Like we need to keep the players close because, you know, we got to focus. They did just the opposite. They put players out there. Um, you know, they, they'll send a player to an event if it has five people. doesn't matter, right? doesn't have to have 500 people. And that's exactly what you want to do. You want to get players out there. You want to mold the community. And they've done an amazing job of not only with their youth hockey, but their adult hockey, right? Like they, they have, you know, we always have like learn to play for the kids. They have like learn to play for the adults, which is genius. So, you know, uh, find a way to get them geared cheap. And they have like, you know, six lessons, a hundred bucks. And they've got basically adults out there because what they're doing is they're building that. So they're building that fan base from the ground up. It's an, it's amazing people. Every place you go here, um, you see, you see Golden Knights. And now the Silver Knights, the AHL team, they're putting right here. Now you see people with Silver Knights um, swag on. So amazing process. Uh, they've done a wonderful job. You go in one of their pro shops at their uh, practice rinks, there's only Golden Knights gear. You can't buy anything else. You know, sometimes you can go into some other, you know, practice rinks. You can see, you know, Montreal Canadiens hat or Pittsburgh Penguins hat. No, it's, it's, it's all Golden Knights. That's it. So uh, it's, it's been great. The games are wonderful. Uh, they have a great organization. They're really trending in the right direction. They got a chance to win the cup this year for sure. Yeah, I agree. Brilliant branding too with the Silver Knights. I'd love to see an East Coast team, the Browns Knights. Mm. There you go. JB, this whole thing's been really informative. Uh, one last quick thing. You've given advice the whole time, but if you could go back and give your younger self advice or you know, someone following your footsteps, what would it be? Um, I would, I would tell my younger self, uh, you know, trust your instincts. Um, when it gets hard, you're closest to your goal line. Like we never kind of see that where you're closest to the goal line. So you're right there, you know, you're 10 yards away. So, so don't, don't give up on that, especially when it's really, really tough, like grind, find a way to grind through it. Um, and what I didn't do two things, one salute your small wins. Like when you get a small win, whatever it is, a promotion and everything else, like, you know, you don't have to do it openly, but do it privately and, um, and enjoy the journey. I think sometimes throughout life, I forgot to enjoy that journey along the way. Like you go these ups and downs and we forget it. And actually, uh, I'm working on my second book now and, and that's going to be the title, enjoy the journey. So that's what I would tell my younger self to do. And, um, I'll let you know that if, uh, anybody wants to, you know, contact me, they can go on my Instagram at jb spiso and you can dm me and i'll, I'll answer you back and uh, my book uh, warrior leadership steps to success for leaders on the ground it's on my website or you can pick it up on amazon and uh and and i'd appreciate an amazon review tell me if you like it or not so yeah definitely gonna have to check out your book and looking forward to the next one too enjoy the journey and we like garrett said can't thank you enough for coming on i learned a ton from you you are definitely an amazing leader and, you know, maybe we have to have you back on in the future. Talk about your work with NHL teams. We didn't even really get into that. But um, thank no, you so I'll, much. I would love that. I want to tell you too, Sean, Garrett, you know, keep, keep trusting your process here, right? You, 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 you men are on a path. You're on a path for success, right? You, you carved the blueprint for yourself, 
right? It's your blueprint. You trust it. Keep believing in yourself. Keep working together. You know, be battle buddies. You know, when one's down, the other one pick the other one up and, and keep moving forward. You're going to have massive success come your way. Uh, I can see it both in, both in your eyes. I know it. So, so get, get after it. Thanks, JB. We appreciate you a lot. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much. Yep. Take it easy. Bye-bye.